Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 273, The Pillars of the Cutco Vector Culture. I've had numerous conversations with leaders in various fields about the unique culture of the Cutco Vector business. We have an environment that truly brings out the best in people, fosters a tremendous spirit of cooperation, creates a family feel, and has led to so many amazingly talented leaders to stay in this business for such long and vibrant careers. What has created such a unique and powerful corporate culture in Cutco Vector? This flashback episode pulls together excerpts from three past episodes of the podcast featuring owners of Cutco Corporation who have been pillars of culture creation within Cutco and Vector Marketing. You'll hear from Jim Stitt Sr., John Welpley, and Jim Stitt Jr. We'll start with Jim Stitt Sr., Cutco's executive chairman. Jim came to the company in 1975, starting as a manager in manufacturing and eventually becoming the company's second CEO following Eric Lane. His comments provide a significant backdrop for understanding how the Cutco culture has evolved. So you came in in 1975, Eric Lane came in in 1977, and the seeds of the culture of the company that we know today began being sown there in those early days. How did you and Eric in particular shape the culture of the company in those, in those early days? Now, we had good people, but management and the people were, it was oil and water at times. I mean, we loved, they loved what they did. They loved Cutco product, but there wasn't a lot of trust either way, you know, and, and, and didn't really know each other. And when Eric came and clearly what it was is what we need to do is we need to know each other. And he spent a lot of time out in that factory floor. And I spent most of my time on the factory floor, floor as manufacturing manager and even having meetings. If we're going to have a meeting, let's go have it in the, in the aisle way out there with a few guys and, and do that and get to know people. I knew everybody on that floor. And I knew most of their kids' names and, and wives' names. And, and we got to know people. And, it's, and you know, we're, we're a family. Culture was family, you know, where it's just not we're the owners or, and we're here and you're the workers and you go do your thing. And, and it was not we all come here and we all do what it takes to do to be winners. And, and so it was, from that point, it was people first. You take care of people, they take care of you. You know, you, you do things, and then the key is mutual respect. And we became a culture of mutual respect. There's not a lot of companies that I think that the sales team and the manufacturing team is married as close as our business. You use the word family to describe our culture. You also said when thinking about which avenue you wanted to go to in terms of, you know, the uh, what products to produce, that 
quality, right? The high end. That's who we are. When I think about the Cutco culture, I think about these words, family and quality. What else comes to mind if I make the statement that Cutco culture is, right? What other words would you use to, to finish that statement? Love, appreciation, respect, thankful. I mean, everybody's thankful for what each other is do for each other. They're thankful that they're here. I mean, we are a small rural community, 14,000 people and only in New York. We employ over 700. We've been as high as at times in the summertime, we get up eight or 900 employees. 14,000 people in the community, a rural, 70 miles close as big as cities, Buffalo. So we are pretty important. Now, we don't take that for granted. We take it as a responsibility. And to the people, they know that as we, you know, we all as a family, our employees, the owners, we're all responsible to this community and to our customers. I mean, we got to do good work and do it on time to protect all those millions of customers that we've had since 1949. We have these people that live in this community. Well, Cuckoo's pretty doggone important to be here, but so is everything in town, but we're important, you know, and so, and we carry that, that responsibility Really, we carry it strongly. It's big, and that we need to play our part. It's a social responsibility. We call it stakeholder responsibility. We're we're responsible to the employees. We're responsible to the community. We're responsible to our customers. And you do all those things right, and you got to make some money, or you can't do those things. But money isn't the end all. Money helps, but you have to do those other things. That's fueled by the vector of our salespeople that. They got to sell the product so people here can keep making product. And, and the people here have to keep making good product so more and more people can sell and make careers in the vector business. Yeah. It's, it's a really us. Yeah. Everything and, and- is us. I'd like to comment on Jim's closing words there. Everything's us. In business, this concept can be scary, but it can also be incredibly liberating. When you have a chance to shape an organization from A to Z, it's a very powerful position and one that comes with great responsibility. Every leader in Vector has that chance with their own team. And this is why it's so important that people espouse the values described by Jim Stitt Sr. We'll now move on to John Welpley, who has had a unique position with tremendous crossover between the Olean-based Cutco team and the field sales organization of Vector Marketing. As the company's longtime CFO, John was responsible for safeguarding the company's financial stability. He managed this task in a manner that emphasized a people-first strategy for decision-making that has affectionately become known as the Vector Way. John starts here by describing his relationships and interactions with many of Vector's top field leaders, then gets into the subject of generosity. I've been fortunate because one of the things I've had is I've had the opportunity to work with every one of our sales leaders and actually have some great personal interaction times with them. Part of what makes the culture of this business so good is that our leaders are real people. And they're genuine people that care about people and they're willing to give of themselves and their families um, the time uh, that is so hard to get with your families. They're still willing to share that. And I know that both Bruce and Al hold regular events where they're bringing people to their homes or visiting 
and spending quality time with them. And again, in today's day and age, a lot of people don't do that. I think that's a, a real key thing in our culture is that there is caring and attention from the top. Jim Jr. is the same way with Susanna. So it's not just the sales side, it's also all the ownership side in that that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, one of the things that has made me want to stay around here so long is the quality of the people who were around. And that has been a very, very important part of keeping so many of us in the company for so long. So it's cool. Well, I'll give you credit and the rest of the RMs credit as well, because you carry that on as well. There's a genuine caring and concern about people and the way we treat people. And that is, I think, probably one of the biggest things. And and some of that goes to, I think, Dan, an idea that you talked a little bit about when we were visiting about this podcast is the Vector Way. Um, I know for me, in my role, and you complimented me on the balance between financial and people, that's part of the Vector Way. When we look at things, we're trying to make decisions that say, hey, what is right for everybody? And Bob Lorenz taught me the Rotarian way, the four-way test. Is it fair and right? And that goes for both the individual and the organization. And sometimes those things can be a conflict. But quite often, a decision for what's right for an individual is not wrong for the organization. It may not be the most positive or the absolute best answer, but it's not wrong. So so often, and Bruce is a big proponent of this, is how do we make sure we're doing things the vector way when we're taking care of people? Mm-hmm. They're individuals. We need programs and, and policies in place to be able to manage things, but we also have a tremendous flexibility. Because again, we're looking at people. Right. You know, and how do you treat the people the right way? It's a fine line sometimes, but usually it's not a tough one to do the right thing for the people. And that's the vector way. I've been very fortunate. I've had a very successful career. I've worked hard at it and I've been rewarded well for it. And to give back to others is something that we should do. You watched a lot of the, the great businesses of the early 19th century. And the Andrew Carnegie's and those who built millions of dollars. The old library restaurant where many people have had dinner was originally an Andrew Carnegie library. And the fact that he donated money for a library to be built only in New York, he accepted a social responsibility. As we reap our rewards, we should share them back with others. As we reap rewards, we should share them back with others. That last quote truly summarizes the Vector way. The company has strived to create a model that shares its success with people at all levels, from the unlimited pay opportunities we've created, to the bonuses that are shared with the field, to the amazing first-class trips that we take with our teams, and all the other ways that we make people feel recognized, rewarded, and appreciated. These things can happen because we are a family business. With the Stitt family as primary owners, we are in good hands. This episode will end with some inspiring words from Jim Stitt Jr., the current CEO of Cutco Corporation. What do you think 
contributes to this atmosphere and culture? And what's it like working in the factory? Well, you know, the short answer is it's how we treat each other. Respect is so deeply integrated into our culture. And it's a family-like culture. And, you know, Eric Lane really deserves the credit for getting that established. Because when Eric came to work at the Outcast Factory in 1977, uh, we did not have that culture at all. It was a pretty rough culture. And Eric, you know, he took the time to walk around and get to know people and and understand who they are and and understand what they did at work and and listen to them and wanted to know about their families. And and he shared with them and he, and he, he knocked down many of those walls. And then, of course, you know, you just fast forward a little bit and, you know, they saw Eric and my dad buy the company and, and save the company, if you will. And, and then they needed their help a couple years later and the employees helped them weather through it. And then they shared with them and when they made it. And, you know, those experiences just really created a real trust between management, the owners and everybody else in the organization. And, and that has just really been building for the past 35 years. But in the environment that we have, people truly come first. And it's a family-like environment. And we communicate with each other and we listen and we care and uh, we laugh and we have fun and we work hard and we get results. And people come to work every day because they really like the people they're working with. And, you know, I think one of the testaments that we continue to hear that, that I think speaks to that point is, you know, when it comes time for somebody to think about retirement, they struggle with retiring from here. And whether they're on their way out or they've already retired, the common theme that I hear is, I miss the people or I'm going to miss the people. You know, I've retired and I've found myself to, I can do without the work and I'm enjoying that piece, but I love the, uh, I miss the people. And that's what that's saying is, is they, they miss the environment of, of how we treat each other. And an awful lot of respect and care and trust is what we really drive in this business. And you know, like I said, we put people first. We don't make business decisions that affect people. We make people decisions that affect our business. And Eric and my dad mastered that for so many years. And you know, it's just under the notion of if you take care of your people, your people will take care of your business. And uh, we've got 30 years of experience that has proven that very point. So that's such a great insight, Jim. And, you know, I've had some, some conversations with people in, in my circle here in the Silicon Valley about this concept and about the Cutco culture. And is the Cutco culture, can it be transferable to other businesses? And interestingly enough, some people say, Oh yeah, we do, we do all those same things. Like we work on getting to know our employees on a personal level. We work on developing our people on a personal level. We work on helping them set dreams and goals that are outside of their work and help them to achieve those things. And it's all part of motivating them to want to stay here and do better here. And other people say, oh, you know what? We're a publicly held company and we've got to answer to our shareholders and we've got to focus more on the short term. And we can't do stuff like that because it's long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cutco is not a publicly held company. Right. And you're able to make all those decisions along with the other leadership team and, and board. Right. How do you balance that sort of long-term versus short-term thinking that, uh, that comes into play? You know, that's a great question. And in one sense, you could say, well, you take our culture and you'd say it's transferable. In some cases, it is. In some cases, it isn't. But certainly in, in our case, 
we've been successful. The business has to be successful. You can't do those things for your people. And, you know, we're, we're so fortunate that we are, we're in a world where, you know, the purpose of our, of our organization is not profit. And like you say, there's so many companies where their purpose is profit. Mm. Our purpose is not profit. However, financial health is very important. And we are very mindful of profits. You know, there's got to be a profit to keep the organization going so we can take care of our people. If the profits aren't there, you can't take care of your people. Well, we're able to take care of our people. We're able to put people first because we are financially healthy. But it doesn't mean that our purpose is profit. And that's a big thing that sets a private company aside from a publicly traded company. So it would be very difficult to do what we're doing and to have the culture that we have in a public company. But we can do it as a private company because we can make those decisions. We can call those shots. What is your vision for the future of Cutco? The short and sweet vision of our company is to be a company of great products and great people and to be a company of purpose, great purpose. So I guess the vision becomes how do we maximize the impact that we have, you know, on our little footprint of the world? How can we grow the impact that we have on all of the people that we get the opportunity to work with. And, you know, it, it starts with our, you know, with our team. And, you know, when Eric and my dad bought the company, they did it to save jobs. They did it to save livelihoods. And over time, it's, it's become so much more than that. You know, yeah, we're trying to provide jobs for our factory and, and, and provide jobs for this entire sales organization that we have. But it's more than just having a job. It's having a job that allows you to pursue happiness and fulfillment. And we want our people to maximize their talent within the business. And, and we want them to be a part of something that's, that's bigger than themselves and have a positive impact on people around them. And whether it's the people that they're working with, or it's our customers, or it's people outside the business, whether it's the community that they live in or supporting charities... You know, how can we take that and expand our footprint in this big world that we live in, our tiny little footprint in the world we live in? We live today in an environment of rapidly changing and competitive world, more so than I think it ever has been. The world is changing so much faster. And the pursuit of being a sustainable company, the pursuit of being a company that's built to last the pursuit of being a company that can stand the test of time is something that we can't take lightly. And we have a great foundation with our product and our people and our values and our distribution approach. So we've got that great foundation. And as I look at our foundation and I look at the team of people that we have, you know, hey, it's exciting to come to work every day and say, we're going to solve these problems. We're going to go make this happen. And uh, it's going to be a positive thing for a lot of people. So, you know, just certainly in the short term, the next five to 10 years, like I said, the world is changing quick on us. But I deeply believe that what our company stands for and what our company offers absolutely fits in today's world. We just have to figure out how to navigate our business in this world that's uh, very competitive, very noisy, uh, a world that's very small. I'm excited to, to see what we're going to accomplish. Making and selling knives is the vehicle for us to create livelihood. And if we create good livelihoods with a backbone of great values, then we have the ability to impact people outside of our business and be an example and inspire others within our world to be better. And quite honestly, our world could use a little bit more of that these days. 
Our world could use more leaders like Jim Stitt Jr. and more companies like Cutco Vector Marketing. We are doing so much more than selling knives. We are truly changing lives in the world. From the community in Olean that greatly benefits from this thriving heartbeat that is the Cutco headquarters there, to all the people who come into Vector Marketing and get to experience a piece of this amazing corporate culture. From all the current team of Vector sales and management leaders who are living this culture on a daily basis, to all of our great alumni who are helping to spread this culture to places all around the world, we are changing the world one day at a time, one person at a time, and leaving a legacy that will be felt forever. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.